1: guys just talk to someone because we've all heard these stories where people do things that if they'd have had the support, I think they would have thought differently.
2: Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I'm very excited about our next guest. He's a former Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle chef who uses his love of food, nutrition, and fitness to help everyday people find a sustainable path to living well. After the unexpected and tragic passing of his father, Richard has made it his life mission and purpose to encourage people from all walks of life to live happier and healthier lives through making sustainable choices with food, nutrition, and exercise. Richard's actually going to share some of his tips and tricks and his strategies that he, he gives his clients that anyone can take and implement in their life so that they can make positive choices in the right direction. I'm very grateful for Richard taking his time away from work and his clients to spend with me and us sharing the, the power of wisdom and all that he's learned, some of his experiences in the castle and everything else in between. I'm very grateful. I want to say thank you, Richard, and welcome to the show. Welcome, Richie Rich. Richard Kerrigan, mate, how are you? Talk to me, what's been happening?
1: Hey mate, I'm all good over here in Australia. I'm, uh, I've just been doing a couple of training sessions on the beach this morning. No better way to start the day. Yeah, feeling good, mate. Had a nice breakfast smoothie and a coffee, so I'm caffeined up and ready to rip in, mate.
2: You'd still be as fit as a fiddle since the last time I saw you doing hill repeats in
1: Bondi. Yeah, we had a good we had a good session. Yeah, I've done a few bits. I try to obviously I, I work as a as a personal trainer and nutrition coach, so I try and practice what I preach. And um, you know, health and fitness is, is very important to me. And um, mate, I, you know, I love I love ripping in and, and my, my, my kind of thing is keeping it quite short but super intense um, and just to get the session in is just a, a bit of a, an accomplishment. So yeah, we gave it a good nudge last time in Bondi. Eh?
2: We did, mate. We did. It was it's always a good time catching up with you. Although we we, we don't catch up nearly a, as enough as we should. But that's okay, cause when we do catch up, it's always a good time,
1: mate. Hundred percent. I like it. You know, you know, when you've got a good mate that you haven't seen him for a while, and then, as soon as you catch up, two minutes in, it's it's just super easy. So I think it's a testament to you, mate. It's good.
2: Yeah, and I, I also want to touch on as well, Richie. Thanks for obviously all of the help and the support that you've given, Livin, since you've obviously been in Australia. Since you've you've heard about Livin and the work that we've done, we're always grateful with the with the support that we get from all walks of life, obviously. And you've helped us out on a number of fronts. So. I want to say thank you and I appreciate all of your help and support and your knowledge as well from the health and fitness and, and, and food side, you know, diet side of things.
1: Mate, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. And, and, you know, I really mean this when I say it. So I think I, when we first chatted on and um, we did an episode together, you know, the reason what stood out when I first met you was literally, and again, this is the power of social media. I saw these, this guy holding up a, a white piece of paper with all these messages and, you know, you don't think too much of it. You just think at the time oh, it might just be another motivational message, but then you, see, you start to see them more and more and you start to look into them and you start to understand, you know, this isn't just uh, a guy holding up. There's actually some meaning behind this. And then I reached out to you and then realised, you know, what you were doing and the story behind it. And, um, it, you know, it, it, we'll talk on it later, but it, it really kind of touched me and, and, and affected me and, and made anything I can do. My big thing, my goal at the start of 2020 was, uh, was all about, you know, giving back and um, making myself feel better through giving back. So, mate, a hundred percent happy to help. And I think what you and your mate have done with um, the living brand to now has been like inspiring. Man, it's been really, really good to to see it kind of grow. And if I can help in any way, shape, or form, then bring it on. Thank you. I
2: appreciate that. And I appreciate you you reaching out to us. And and I guess if that if that step you didn't take, maybe maybe we wouldn't be speaking today. But it's it's been a short journey knowing you. But it's been uh, something that's it's been inspiring. I've actually learned a lot from you in such a short amount of time, especially when it comes to the way that you treat your body, not the way in terms of training all the time, but it's about what you're putting in your body. And I think that's something that you know very clearly. It's been a passion of yours ever since you're in your early teens. And I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more about that and share with our audience how the power of food and I guess what you're putting in your body and that direct relationship is with your overall health and well-being.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's no secret that healthy food is, is obviously very good for you and, and what you put into your body is important if you want to get a good kind of output. But the difficulty I find with a lot of people is actually knowing how to do that when you are busy, when you are stuck for time, when you might not be able to afford the nicer kind of foods and that sort of thing. So my background is, uh, is actually as a chef, I'm a qualified chef and I actually went into the industry at, I think I started at 13, scrubbing pots as most people do in, in a little uh, dingy dingy pub restaurant and then peeling potatoes and then getting a bit of an interest and and then from there I you know went to college and catering uh, college and, and got my qualification in that and then went to work in some some nice restaurants and it wasn't until I realized how crazy the hours were and my health started to suffer at like 21 years old I remember going to a doctor and I had all these like blisters all over my hands they're like tiny little kind of watery blisters and I thought it was like I was allergic to shellfish or or seafood or something like that. Um, And he said to me, you know, what do you do for a job? And I told him I was a chef and he said, I think it's stress related. And at 21 to be that stressed, you know, from something that I didn't have a care in the world at that age, you know, I was like, I was living at home. I had, uh, you know, I wasn't getting paid a fortune, but there was no worries. And it was just purely from the, Day in, day out, you know, 16, 17-hour shifts that you're doing, it's very difficult to stay focused. And, and, and I was like, right, how do I change this into something that I love? And health and fitness is always something I love doing. I love training on my, my time off from, from working in the kitchens. And I thought, how can I shape this together? And that's where I thought bringing the two things together, food but also training. And now the weird thing is food is by far the most important thing I focus on when I'm training clients, you know. It doesn't matter what goal really? you are, you have mate, 100%, you know, getting their food right, actually teaching them to cook um, almost over getting them to lift weights is, is I think, as important if not more important because, you know, you can lose weight and not even step foot in the gym or pick up a dumbbell. You know, what you put in your mouth hour after hour, day after day is going to have a huge influence on how your body shape changes. And, you know, training is that kind of... Is it, when you look at a pyramid, you know, it'd be right up there towards, towards the kind of middle, if not the top part of, of the funnel. So... It's interesting.
2: Yeah, so they say that 80-20 rule, right? Your food and diet is 80% of the overall, I guess, training regime and 20% comes down to exercise and movement. Would that be accurate or?
1: I actually think nowadays, and what of more research and the more more courses you go on and the more you kind of like develop as a coach, you understand that like, People used to say, some people say 70-30, some people say 80-20. I actually think you could split into three parts, and I think a, a mindset part of that is actually a big chunk of the of the pyramid. You know, if you're talking about a pyramid down here and you've got your food up to here, you've got your training, but then you've got a big chunk of it that actually is the mental, the mental side of it. And just putting my coaching hat on for a minute, mate, and, and talking you through some stuff, you know, say you've got an overweight person and they're looking to shed 10, 15 kilos. You know, they haven't gained those 10, 15 kilos overnight, so they're not going to lose it overnight. And in order for you to flip where they want to get to, you have to first look at their headspace, right? What's emotionally working or what's not working in order for them to be able to go to the gym and train and then eat the healthy choices or eat less, you know, eat less of the, because some people eat a lot of healthy food, but they just simply eat too much, you know, talking about that calorie balance. So I think it's really important to find out that the mindset side first, and then we can start talking about the food and then we can start talking about the training rather than I think a lot of people jump straight into the, how can I smash my body and how can I get up a sweat and how can I burn these calories off without understanding what your body's doing first and what the emotional side is first. And then we can like look at the physical changes.
2: So where do you start with that? And, and, you know, for me it makes sense because I've been around this conversation for a number of years and I guess I've had, had the luck and I'm very fortunate enough to have been surrounded by people who are experts in various areas when it comes to health and fitness um, so for me, it's easy to underst- It's a lot easier for me to understand that it's about your mentality you know, and then what you put in your body, then-, then it's your training. But for someone that doesn't know that and someone who might be listening right now that wants to head to the gym, they want to lose a bunch of weight for whatever reason that may be. What's your advice to them then if they don't have that education like I do and you do?
1: So first of all, I mean, everyone knows, you know, education is power and, and that shapes that side. But I think the first thing you need to do is you just need to seriously start off slow and it's so it sounds like a cliche that people say it but not enough people do it you know I was always told to write things down because it's a lot clearer when you write things down and, and you know you set these goals out but also actually finding someone else that is in either the same boat that you're close to that you can kind of lean on for that support but just starting slow you know doing something like I think we get hell-bent on this thing particularly with social media we look at all these crazy inspiring instagram pictures and you know i'm probably guilty of some of it when you're looking at you know someone training hard and obviously it's because i want to push my body and show people where you can get to and hopefully it comes across as a bit of inspiration to get you out there and get amongst it but i know that sometimes it can be it can work against you you know you're looking at some of these videos that that might be way too far ahead of you so you just need to take a step back a bit and go you know what what do i love doing If you love playing tennis, go and play tennis. You know, you've got to build these healthy habits in first. Check in with yourself and find out, right, okay, what is my mindset? Do I focus better in a group situation? If so, go and do some circuit training with a group of people. Am I better on my own? If I'm really good on my own and I'm really interested in, say, podcasts. Set yourself a target in the morning and say, right, I'm going to listen to a podcast four times a week and I'm going to go for a 30-minute walk whilst I do that. People want quick results and I understand that, but it's amazing how mental resilient you are after four or five weeks of doing the same thing creating that habit because you know that whole habit of, of like 21 days it takes a lot longer than 21 days to build that habit and sustain it and that's the most important thing we're looking for that quick fix and we're looking for um, things to happen you know yesterday whereas no one's willing to put in a bit of time and the, the, the effort that you put in on the time mate, the balance for me is like and the best part of when you're, when you're happy is when you can maintain you smash your goal you've understood through mental resilience through the through the transition period of say it takes you three and a half months to lose some weight those three and a half months, you've learned so much about yourself. You know, you've been through some shit places. You've been through some amazing places. That's all going to shape where you are for the next three and a half months. And the, and the change that you'll discover after that, mate, it's ridiculous. It's, it's almost kind of, you know, euphoric. And if you can just get into people's heads that start small, build small steps over time, little change, and you'll absolutely win every time.
2: Yeah, right. But for me, you know, and, and being a bit of a devil's advocate, it, it does sound a lot easier you know said than done right and it takes a lot of willpower to be able to get up every day and stick to a program of eating right sleeping right thinking right and training right as well as having to deal with your everyday stresses of life and what life throws at you so i mean for people that you know might be struggling to train or to get out of bed of a morning or that find that extra bit of motivation to to wake up and get to the gym or to maybe eat twice twice or three times a week, you know, healthy options rather than being a little bit slack. That could be the difference between someone that's got a really good strong willpower that has a pretty good lifestyle in terms of, you know, their program, so to speak, and they're not pulled every which way possible versus someone that sort of is just all over the shop. So how could someone that sort of doesn't have their shit together, so to speak, because I don't think any of us have our stuff together perfectly. How can someone, you know, what are a couple of quick tips for them to sort of go and work at. What I'm trying to say is I understand that it's not a, an overnight success. Okay, this is a long-term approach. And unfortunately, we live in a place where people are becoming more and more impatient. We want results yesterday, right? But what are some quick tips we can give people who are very impatient? Because I think the majority of society is very impatient right now. What are some quick tips that we could give someone that can go and implement them to make a change?
1: The number one, I think, I think is is just look at things like First of all, look at your food. Pick apart, and this is why I talk about writing stuff down, you know, pick apart what you're eating as a whole. Because I always say to people I'm working with, you know, if they want to come to me and they say, right, I want to lose weight, I'm like, okay, why haven't you been able to in the past? You know your body way better than me. I've met you, say I've met you 10 minutes into the into the initial initial chat. I'm not going to say to you, right, you need to do this, you need to do that, because I don't know anything about your lifestyle. So you understand your lifestyle way better than anyone else. And 90% of the time, you know exactly what you're not doing right or you're doing too much of. So you need to have a look at it and think, right, simple, simple tips, Sammy. Like, could I eat more vegetables? 100%. Could I drink more water? Yes. Could I get to bed an extra hour and a half, if not two hours earlier? I guarantee you 90% of the population could do it. It's just prioritizing. And I think that's what it all comes down to is is prioritizing. I guarantee if you go into a meeting and your boss says to you, I need this presentation on my desk by 9 a.m. Monday morning, you'll get it done. You have to treat your health like that because the problem with a lot of people is they only get scared when you know you have a health scare or you have an injury and then you can't train. You know, we've got to start taking our health as a number one priority physically as well as 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 mentally. So I think looking at those quick tips like I say drinking more water, sleeping, and and it goes back to what you enjoy doing because if you don't like going to the gym, don't go to the gym. You know, it really is that simple. Buddy up with someone that you, you spend a lot of time with. And also, one of my biggest things, mate, is, is actually sharing your goals amongst your community. For me, when I did the, the New York Marathon just recently, I made sure that everyone knew about it. And it wasn't an ego boost from my side. But the more people you tell, you're then accountable to those people. And you're like, right, I've now got to do this. You know? And what you'll find is the encouragement that you get back from those people is so uplifting and empowering. It's ridiculous. So you've got this kind of free energy that you're getting off people. You haven't had to ask for it. And then people, what you tend to find is you you tend to find you don't have to be a fitness person or someone in in the health and space fitness industry to to inspire someone. You know, just by doing a challenge like that, someone can go, do you know what? Fuck, if he can run a marathon, I can get my running shoes and go and do that. And then you become, you know, that better off because you've moved your body. So it just comes in this, you know, this, this wave of inspiration, I suppose, from you don't realize how powerful your actions are. And I think that comes back to just keeping it so simple, you know? Yeah, and I I think for a lot of people too, I mean, and I want to
2: reiterate this and be very clear on it. You don't have to be, like you said, Richie, you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be a chef. You don't have to be a, a certified expert in personal training. You don't have to be a doctor or a psychologist by any means to be able to help yourself. A lot of these tools and strategies that you've just mentioned, we could probably find a lot
1: of them online, couldn't we? Mate, 100%. 100%. I think it's just when people emotionally connect with a person face to face. And that's, again, the benefit of, you know, social media can be very good and it can be can be very, very bad. But, you know, following someone that you really look up to and use them as a bit of an inspiration is massive. And obviously, I try and do that a lot with my work, but trying to give that message that it isn't going to happen overnight. But also, it doesn't have to be difficult. And I think there's so much crap out there at the moment that just confuses people. You know, you talk about these people that whatever their goal is, but they don't know how to do it. Nothing's ever changed in terms of weight loss. Like if you basically burn more calories than you're eating, you're going to start to lose weight. It is that simple. But unfortunately, with marketing, people have tried to push things that just don't it either takes you twice as long to get there or it doesn't make any sense, you know, and it's just all about the cash flow and how they can kind of make a quick buck off of someone that's already struggling. And to me, mate, there's nothing more like, you know, you're robbing people blind. Like it's 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 ridiculous. It, it, this stuff works time and time again, looking after your nutrition, moving your body more, getting enough sleep and drink enough water. And that is it.
2: And it's very powerful. And it's so true what you saying. I mean, you know, the first thing I hear a lot of the time is if someone's struggling or if someone's having a bad day or you know, they might want to lose weight or they want to do something to their body, they, they might want to, have to see a change in it. The first thing that comes to most people's mind is, well, why don't you exercise or why don't you go for a run? It make you feel better. But you said it perfectly before, don't do something if you don't enjoy it. Because if you don't enjoy it, there's no point putting yourself through that hell, um, which is, I, I think, the first step. But I also want to add to that and say, take the time out for yourself to find what works for you and explore, try new things. I strongly believe, because food's been a big part of my life, probably in the last six years, that whatever I put into my body helps me with sleeping, helps me with memory, it helps me with my overall body composition, my weight, how I'm performing day in and day out, how I'm actually performing in the gym, all comes back to how my mind is, but also what I'm putting in my body, right? And I'm a massive advocate of that, a big advocate of it. But a lot of people, it blows my mind time and time again. I hear people going, I've been training my ass off or I've been at the gym and I'm doing all this. But then straight after it, you see them smashing pizzas and eating In-N-Out burgers or McDonald's. And it's just like, I'm not saying you can't go and have cheap meals and do all this and that. But where do you draw the line?
1: I, I am, and I know what you're saying, Sammy. I'm, I'm a big thing on this whole balance. And, and this, I think, you know, Again, this is why we're all different, right? And this is why it's great to have this discussion because you might have a certain view on it and I might be able to say, right, in the next two seconds, like I could probably shape your view and, and, and make you just think a little bit differently and be like, Do you know what? Actually, that's, that is actually doable. Again, it depends on your personality. If you're all in, you know you're kind of all like, right, if I'm going to go, as they say, and I hate the word term because term it's bullshit, clean eating doesn't exist. What, you're going to scrub your carrots? Like that's clean eating, right? Scrubbing your food. Clean eating does not exist. You know, it, it comes down to... I think we should all enjoy nice food you know whether that's a nice nutritious salad or a greasy dirty burger I absolutely love you know a dirty burger the difference is I'm not going to feel guilty after I've had my burger and be like oh my god I shouldn't have done that and you start kind of like having a go at your kind of your head and you're like why did I do that That, well that wasn't good like enjoy it you've worked hard 90% of the time if you have worked hard obviously this is where it comes back to the balance have you worked hard beforehand do you kind of you know, warrant that burger. Have you worked hard enough, if your goal is weight loss, to enjoy that? And if you haven't, then, you know, be sensible. Don't go all the way. But then again, mate, you can eat fast food and you can actually do it. You can eat a thousand calorie fast food meal. You can eat a two and a half thousand calorie fast food meal. There's a way you can do it without absolutely blowing the wheels off. And that's the way I kind of look at it. You know, I I would look at having a cheat meal. If I'm going to have a cheat meal, I probably wouldn't go completely crazy because just I just don't feel great after it. It's nothing about, oh, come on, mate, if you're going to have a cheat meal, have a cheat meal. I just don't feel great smashing it big time and then going, oh, that wasn't good. It's almost like a bit of food guilt or something after it because
2: I, I guess, I don't know if it's so much food guilt. I think it's when you realize that your body works like an engine and you're putting good fuel in it and then you go and dump bad fuel in it, fuel that's probably not supposed to be in there. I know for me it doesn't feel right. My body doesn't operate correctly. You know, I get bad a sore stomach. I'm in the restroom, and and it takes me a while to feel clear and clarity again. So, I mean, each person's to their own. I'm not saying you can and you should and shouldn't do this and that, but I think it all comes down to if we're if we're looking at fitness on an overall scale or a spectrum, it consists of what you're saying and, and what I also believe in and I agree with is
1: mind, food. Exercise, Mate, 100%. And if I can explain this even more simply, use the term JERF, J-E-R-F, just eat real food. And you, you literally cannot go wrong. Like, eat colourful vegetables, green leafy vegetables, lean protein, good source of fat, and, and you literally can't go wrong. And, and this is, it might be, I don't know if this is going off topic a little bit, but... I think it's quite important to just chat over it quickly because there's so many diets out there or styles of eating and people might be thinking like, what's the right one? Again, personal preference. Does it work for you? Can you sustain it long-term? Are you getting results? If you cover those three things, then you're going to win every single time. You know, Don't eat a vegan diet if you don't like eating a vegan diet. If you love it and it's good for you and you can sustain it and you're getting results, go for your life. You're not hurting anyone. The problem comes when you try and do a diet that you haven't obviously researched, that doesn't fit your body type or... You're not performing on that diet. You have to understand that your bodies, we're all very unique. We're all very different. We're all going to work on different diets. This is my personal view, if anyone <laughs> wants to know. This is a Mediterranean diet for me, works every time. So, What's that consist of, mate? So lean protein, lots of leafy, green, colourful vegetables, as I've just said, and you know, good fats, avocados, olive oils, nuts, because I can sustain it and I love it. And then I can obviously design my recipes as a chef. I'd love to be in your kitchen every night, mate you know, but, mate, my girlfriend doesn't think the same thing. It's a, it's a bit of a mess, but uh, <laughs> no, it's good. You know, it's good. I, I, I find it very difficult. Like if you were, some people I know struggle on a vegan diet, they like eating it because they think, oh, it's good. It's ethical. I understand that side, but they're finding it very difficult to balance out because they're not educated. And I'm not saying you can't get enough protein on the vegan diet. I know that's a huge topic in the fitness industry. You totally can, but you have to do some research into it and you have to find out ways in which you can do it. You can't just exist off you know salads and, and and chickpeas and legumes and that sort of thing you have to do some more research into how can i you know building in things like tofu and that sort of thing soybeans like how can you get more nutrition into your body to make it perform optimally and i think that's the struggle at the moment where a lot of people just pick and choose these things again social media make the news articles come out people go oh my god because uh Someone Kardashian's done this diet. I'm going to go and do that. You know, you, you listen to your body, and and you, you'll win every time.
2: Yeah, I agree. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. And let's rewind. You, you you've been in the kitchen since you were 13. You said earlier, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I actually started like you know, when people talk about being a pop star, they're like, oh, I was thinking I was two years old. But I was I was standing helping my mum on like a tiny tiny kitchen stall at about six. I used to help her prepare the vegetables and do roast dinners. Sunday night in our house was always about family roast dinners. But we went the whole hog, you know, roast chicken, and everything. We, we kind of went all in and it was great. So I kind of really like love to help mum. She's an amazing cook. And then I got inspired about, you know, wanting to, to learn more. Like I said to you before, I went into a, a, a pub, started scrubbing potatoes and then, um, and then, you know, found my love for, for, for cooking. And I actually, interestingly at the time, my dream was to actually go and work on um, the super yachts. And be a deckhand and then work up and actually work. I don't know, I had this fascination with, it wasn't the rich and famous, it was just the lifestyle. I, lo- I'd lo- I wanted to be able to serve good food and look after them. I think looking after people is one of my biggest things that I love. You know, I love doing a dinner party. I love taking people through this kind of like experience. Experience,
2: yeah. If there's a party on, you're the man that puts on the party and you love the experience and making the food, making sure everyone's having a good time and they're getting amazing dishes.
1: 100%. Yeah, I love it. I love them walking in, you know, make and just because I love the way food makes people feel. I love the way, you know, you get a good group of mates together. You're all chatting, you, you know, you talk about recipes, you talk about what's going on, you talk about poly- whatever. But it, the one thing that it always does, is it brings people together. And I love that, you know, um, community to vibe that the foods bring.
2: There really, there really is a community in and around food, isn't there? It's a big part of everyone's life. We go for dinner, lunches, breakfast, everything else in between. I mean, it's a big part of conversation for a lot of people.
1: Well, you know what it's like Samian in in uh Australia I don't know if it's the same in I know brunch is a big thing in the US but in Australia breakfast is pretty much the meal right yeah, the so breakfast from...
2: the breakfast here isn't as good mate that's for sure
1: yeah <laughs> well it's just you know there's nothing better on the weekend on a Sunday particularly you know meeting up with a couple of mates nine thirty, 30 in the, the ocean for a swim and then you come and you get stuck into a massive massive breakfast and good coffee it's just a great feeling and I think it's very important to to appreciate food good and bad food again not labeling but you know it's it's a, it's a, it's
2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: It's a part of uh,
2: just a healthy lifestyle. It really is a healthy lifestyle, healthy relationships, and it's a good way of life. I guess it's, it's what, it all comes down to what you're putting in your body, but you hit the nail on the head earlier. Everyone's uh, on their own journey, each is to their own, and, I, and I, I'm a big believer that people need to find what works for them and take the patience and, and give yourself the permission and time to be able to navigate those waters instead of rushing in headfirst and, and sort
1: of not knowing what you're doing because sometimes that can be harmful. And, mate, you've seen it. You've done really well. Like I've been – you know, I always watch your Instagram stories and you're, you're either at the leg press or you're, you're doing some uh, some dumbbell work. And, and But then you're also, you know, looking after your body with, with home-cooked food and stuff. And I just think that, to me, is so great to see people passionate about looking after their body because, you know, what I've realised from – stuff that happened to my dad not taking health as a priority you abuse it for one second it's too late you can't get it back that's when it becomes an issue i think having a bit of a scare sometimes And i don't mean what's the word you know sometimes it's quite good to just just maybe get a small injury or something and just to think you know if you've ever twisted your ankle and you've been up you've had your leg up for a couple of days and you're like i just want to get out and exercise you know it's that kind of wake up call you or you hurt your back and you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to not move again because that feeling of not being able to move is the most frustrating thing in the world. And someone said this to me the other day. They were asking me about this, this marathon run that I did. And I missed, my, I missed my time that I was trying to get. And I was so pissed off for about three days afterwards. And then I was, I was like, Rich, like, sort your head out. Like, there's people out there that can't run. And I've just run in a New York marathon. Like, where's your, you know what I mean? Like, just understand that you're so lucky to be able to do that because you've got your health. So be a bit more appreciative of that and just ex- enjoy the experience. It took a while to, for that to sink in, but it was, you know, where I'm thinking at the moment. So,
2: And you don't mind me asking, obviously, your old man, your dad was a big motivation in your life, big inspiration for you and your journey and what you're on now. Can we talk a little bit more about that and,
1: and, the, and the role your dad played in your life, mate, growing up? Mate, 100%. So um, my dad was, um, he passed away about four or five years ago and up until I was about, I think he passed away when I was about 20, I don't know, do the maths, 27, yeah, 26. Anyway, he was a TV director, really successful TV director, you know, did all the English soaps. Anyone out there in the UK is listening, to EastEnders, Coronation Street, quite well respected in the, in the film and television industry. And it was amazing to see how passionate around life he was. Um, you know, he's a real people person, he was the life and soul of the party. Drank a little bit, but you never understood quite how deep it got when he was on his own but if you just knew him as a mate you'd be like oh no michael's just you know he's just that kind of guy he's that fucking of friendly guy and then as as a freelance tv director you work on kind of 3 or 4 month projects and then in that project you then know, might be working on the next one in the horizon then you you know you kind of rotate so you're not in a full time role of anything so it's not a secure job as it were but you get paid well for when you're in that in that time slot and it just happened that nothing was coming on the horizon so dad got very stressed And to this day, I think it was because he didn't have an out. You know, work was his all-consuming thing. Loved the family, got my mum and my sister, and that was it. It was all work. So when he wasn't working, he was drinking. That lifestyle of TV is very kind of, you're always on, but when you're off, you get very, very high, and then you get very, very low. He was working away a lot um, on locations and filming, and, you know, always the first one in the door, last one out. So it's a very high-pressure job and, and... the alcohol just consumed him, and it got really bad to the point where mum and dad split up. This always sounds bad that you think they, they split up, and she wasn't going to help him. But this was four years into it. You know, it, it had gone through so many different cycles of trying to help him, and he'd been to the priory, which is quite a well-known rehab place in in Brighton in the UK. And uh, you know, a lot of people go there for a lot of quite well-known celebrities go there to try and help with drug addiction and, and drink and all that sort of stuff. So it's obviously ridiculously expensive to get in there and we weren't you know well off people at all but he got some help to to try and get him in there because we're like look this is the last resort we need to get him some help that didn't work he kept on relapsing just in and out in and out you take two steps forward four steps back all the time and I was living in Edinburgh at the time in Scotland and uh, it was very difficult to I'd come down and see him on a weekend and you know, Dad wasn't in a good place, and you'd sit down with him for four or five hours and just talk about everything and try and get him to this place where he's ready to feel better about himself. And then you leave thinking, oh, my God, I've got somewhere. And then a day later, Mom gets, I get a phone call from mum. Dad's not good again. It's just, like, it's just so soul-destroying, man, because you yourself are having to take these burdens, and because you're not there, you feel awful about it. And then eventually it just got – I remember mum saying about two years before he died – I was in Australia and she said to me, you know, he's really not good. I, he said, she said to me, Rich, I'm just worried one of these days he's not going to be here. And that was the first time I thought, shit, this is actually really bad. This has gone from an addiction that might change him, his personality and, you know, people around him to Jesus Christ, this is going to take his life. And then I got a phone call. I always remember I was, I was on the way to go and train a client in Avalon, a really close friend of mine. And... Um, I got a phone call from my mum and said, where are you? And I said, I'm just on the way up to, to train. And, and she said, dad's died. And I was like, I, I just, it was just the moment. And in that moment, I know everyone says it, in that moment, everything changed. You know, you're just like, oh my God, this is real. Everyone's lost someone close, I'm sure. But when you lose someone that close, your father who has been someone you look up to for the last 20 years of your life, it was, it was brutal. It was, and it, it, I was so angry because to me, it was all self-inflicted you know it, i think it could have something could have been done about it and we tried so hard but he just wasn't willing to change man and it, it was it was oh man it's massively it affected me for a good couple of years but the one thing that i can see on the positive side of it now and this is why i got into the industry and why i'm so passionate now about helping people is your health is the number one most important thing you can do and if you can look at anything you know if you can just realize, just evaluate your life and go, am I drinking a little bit too much? Am I doing something that's not a great habit at the moment? Because it can lead to something more. And, you know, I've seen it firsthand. It, it destroyed my my family. It destroyed mum and dad's marriage. It, just, it destroyed his life. He took his, you know, it, it, he didn't commit suicide, but he, he passed away from a, um internal bleeding in his liver. It was a shit time, but it, it happened and, and you've got to kind of move on. I'm very sorry to hear about that, man. I mean... Yeah, the impact
2: that that would have had on on obviously yourself and and your mum at the time and and obviously till this day, no doubt, would be a big part of the legacy that that you're trying to leave and, and the work that you're trying to do moving
1: forward. It is all for him, mate, to be honest now. It's just I've always wanted to make him proud. And I am who I am today, and everyone can say that. The person you are today is because of the important people in your life. And Dad's taught me so many good things. And and I didn't really... There was a time I probably got really pissed off with him uh, towards the end because I could see the damage he was doing. But then when he passed away, it was just like... It was just this whole kind of... After the anger had gone after a couple of months, it was then just like, you know what, remember the good times. I'm here because of him. I'm a better person now because of him, and I want to make him proud. And again, going back to that thing that I first talked about right at the start, if I can give back and make people's lives better, it's all because of him. You know, he's made me this person. I've got this gift of being here and being able to inspire people and help people. I want to just capitalize on that and just, and just, and just bring it in.
2: And right? and mate, no doubt, you are definitely making your old man proud. You're making a lot of people around you proud. You're inspiring people through what you put in your body, your training regimes, the advice that you're putting out and the love that you're putting out to the world. So don't ever underestimate that, brother, ever. While you can't go back in time and, and, and change things, none of us can, you know, but what we can do is we can use the information that we've got right now in front of us and do our very best to change and to make a change and to inspire change. And I think you're doing a tremendous job
1: at that. Oh, thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. And again, you know, this is what I what I learned from from you about losing your close mate. And I remember seeing you for the first time actually publicly speak in, in a little Bondi um, bowling club. And it, it was just great to hear the story behind it and why you were doing it. And every, this, what you realize is so many people, because you, you threw a question out to the audience and you're like, has anyone been there? and hey mate like 15 people put their hand up like it, I think it's just so much more common than people think and this is why I think living you know the whole like, it ain't weak to speak thing the year after I lost my dad everyone was I'm I'm one of these people that's very leave me alone and I'll deal with it I'll be ready to talk about it when I'm ready and I will talk about it but I'm not one of these people if you say to me right rich sit down how's everything going and I know that works for some people, but for me, and again, this goes back to the whole thing I said right from the start, you know, everyone's different. So I think we've got to just approach everyone differently. But the one thing that I think everyone can really get from get to get better is is talk, mate, speaking, talking, talking, talking is the most important thing. I think, you know, we can do and whether or not it's on the phone, whether it's through video call, whether it's face to face, Jesus Christ, please guys, just, just talk to someone because, we've all heard these stories where people do things that if they'd have had the support, I think they would have thought differently. And my biggest thing about, it sounds a bit morbid with this topic, but funerals, you know, we always talk about people after they've gone in such an amazing way. And I guarantee if you'd had that same speech and they could sit there in like a presentation, and watch what people are saying about them, it would make them think twice about doing the actions they're about to take in order to, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, definitely. if they were to see how much love and support people have for them, it's a powerful thing, man. I think if, if we can we can give that love in, in little bits. You know, we don't have to do it in this presentation or sit people down and talk to them. We can just be there for them and just talk to them, and it, that's all it takes. Sometimes, you know.
2: Yeah, and kindness, mate. I think understanding, listen, you know, compassion, empathy, all those sort of good things. And I think it, it comes with time, it comes with training, it comes with education as well. And you just got to keep moving forward as much as you know. I'm sure straight after your dad passed away, you said you were angry and you, know, you were angry for quite some time and I'm sure you would have had your own problems and your own dramas and your own struggles and you probably internalised a lot of them and you spoke up when it was you know, the right time for you and when you felt most comfortable to do that. You can't make someone speak up and you and I both know it ain't weak to speak but even then, you know, we might know that it's, it's fine to speak and we will speak but it might not be right now.
1: Mate, 100%. You know, there's no rule book. There's information out there that can help you. But, you know, again, it, it all comes back down to this whole thing of you have to take control of it and you have, to, you have to lead it. You have to want to do it. You have to, you know, you can have all this information thrown at you and it can get overwhelming. You know, you can look at all these inspiring goalcast social media pages, and you can, you can see all these people talking about all this stuff. But it has to resonate with you. Um, And I think once you get that message across to someone and it really gets you, that's when you're going to be like, do you know what, this person gets me. And and I think sometimes you can almost follow too many people. I know a lot of like very successful entrepreneurs do talk about don't follow too many people that are similar but have different messages, you know what I mean? Because you're going to get different messages. So try and follow someone that you really resonate with, go all in on that person and just get the information you need from them rather than getting it from... 10 or 15 different people that are trying to motivate you it's just going to be pulling you left right and you know it's going to be crazy
2: yeah definitely and it's it's just about being good with your time as well and and being mindful of the information that you're taking in but also it does come down to you know ultimately the responsibility is with us you know we have to we have to be the ones that physically get up out of our chair and make that decision to go to the go to the grocery store and grab the right foods or we have to make that responsibility to put our hands up if we're struggling or if we're angry and saying, you know, now's the right time to speak. But it's also great to socialize with the right people as well, because I feel even as a good friend, say for me, for you, is I feel it would be my responsibility to be able to check up on my good friends as well and to inspire them to know that they aren't alone, for example, or if they are having a bad time, that they can speak up. I used to actually think it was 100%. Up to me. So if I was struggling, Sam Webb, when I was struggling, it's up to me to get better, right? I used to think it was just up to the person who was struggling. It's up to them to to pull themselves out of their rabbit hole. Yeah, we've got great supports around us, but I also now think that it's also the responsibility and there's part of a responsibility that falls on the people that you spend your time with. Because if they're educated and you've been open and honest with them, they also should be somewhat responsible about ensuring that you're home on time or you're doing the right things physically and mentally and you know if i haven't heard from you in in a, in a month to check in on you and things like that I, I really do believe
1: that that is a big part to play in this phase mate definitely and and i know you're big on this and you know looking after yourself obviously is paramount first but for, for me it's it's like i would rather have a group of eight mates that are super close than 35 people that great you've got numbers but no one really knows your personality. No one knows what's make, what makes you tick. No one knows what you know when you're down, you're down. And I think it's going all in on those eight people and just spending quality time with those people. You know, I'm going through a similar situation at the moment where my best mate back at home, he's in this kind of rut at the moment where he's seeing a lot of people get engaged, new jobs, buying flats, and he's just seems to be on this kind of treadmill of just hasn't really stopped doing what he did when he was... 19, 20, 21, he's now realising, you know, life's gone on and he's still maybe not moved from one base and he's kind of, you know, being, not being left behind in a way, but probably shouldn't be where he, he is at the moment and thinks he should be further along. And I'm a very aware of this and it's, it's you know, me and my other mate are, are very aware and making time to to reach out to him. It's obviously difficult being so far away, but he's been great to, to go down and see him and, and and talk to him because, you know, I'm scared shitless that one day similar situation is going to happen to happen to your close mate you know I just don't want anyone to do anything stupid and, and you know you've always you've always said to me you know you want to reach out to prevent this stuff from happening and, and just by asking people the whole thing are you okay you know
2: it's so so important and checking in with people as well and being honest I think I think it definitely comes down to being honest but Richie I did you know what I what I did miss and I really want to ask you about because I want to know what what actually went on you spent some time in the Buckingham Palace. Is this for real? Did you break in? What happened, mate? How did you do that? I understand you're very passionate and you're very, very skilled at what you do, but you're in Windsor, you're in Buckingham Palace. What on earth were you doing?
1: <laughs> okay, so what happened was, I'll talk you through it. So I've talked to you about my chefing background. I went to college. I talked to you about how I wanted to become a uh oh, a front of house. You didn't aunt, tell me you and, wanted
2: to be working alongside the queen. What the no, hell? No, no.
1: This is this all this will
2: happen. Mate.
1: Yeah, I talked about how I wanted to work with the super yachts and serve people front of house. So I had to get both sides of my, you know, qualification of, of actual silver service. Now you think that's like an old school thing that people used to do in the kind of, you know, 1800s. But I'm talking full on like there are courses out there that you do with training and it's big, you know, it's 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 huge where you can become a chef and you could also do a butler qualification as well. So you're there on... I don't remember what the course is called. Anyway, two and a half years. It's a long thing. And then from college, we had a connection that took us up to Buckingham Palace to do some functions, you know, royal state visits. And then the more and more we did, the more trusted we got. And then we would actually do full-on, full, full on, you know, talking like politicians, you know, presidents of the United States. George Bush was there for some of these events and we'd be serving them, which is, sounds absolutely crazy and super surreal. It was at the time. But three or four visits in, you're just like, this is the norm. You know, you're standing there and you're like, oh, there's George Bush over there. There's Tony Blair at the time. It was always a while ago, but, um, mate, it's, it's incredible. Um, and then, like I said, the more and more we, we did, the more and more kind of, I suppose, high-caliber events we'd go to. And then I was lucky enough to do Charles and Camilla's wedding at Windsor Castle, you yeah, did, so, so yeah, yeah. So we So what did you do? Serving. Like, what you were serving food right. and making it, or like yeah. what? So, so what happens is, imagine in Buckingham Palace, you've got this huge table. So it goes. There's two huge long tables at the top, and then there's this like a bit, bit like a, a shoehorn or like a U-shaped table. Yeah. How many people on these like? long tables? Oh, mate, hundred people each side. Yeah. Wow. So massive. You know, eighty meter table. Like huge. And then you've got people on the inside as well. Uh, so our role would start we'd get in there and we'd have to make sure you know you put your placemats down and then you'd put you put your wine glass here and then you'd have like this kind of ruler to make sure that the ruler the plate wasn't any more than 10 centimetres away from the glass and when you moved you know to make sure everything's lined up so when you look down the table it is just arrow straight we're talking like next level kind of service you know but then at the top of the table that top bit was where the royalty would sit or the guests of honour so that would be your president's you know, your heads to state, the queen, and then they have the two big beef eater guys. You know those guys you see with the big collars and the big spears? Mm-hmm. They would stand at each end. Were they really um, Is it really
2: would, like, are they as big as they look on TV? It,
1: it, it's almost <laughs> like, what, what, what's your CV? Okay, you're six foot five, yeah, you're good for this. It's mad, like they are just big guys and then they hold these spears. But So you can't get close to that, that top end table. But this is the level of service. So we'd have, one, two, three, we'd have four butlers, Uh, One person in charge of wine, one person in charge of the food, one person in charge of taking the food to the table, and then one person in charge of taking the food away from the table for every eight or ten guests. It's just the most amazing thing, mate, like the most amazing experience. Were you nervous? The first couple I did were very, very nervous. You know, you're holding these huge, they call them big silver salvers, big silver uh, trays, and um, that thing weighs probably five or six kilos on its own like sterling silver, solid. And it's probably been in the family since like the 1600s or whatever. We've all got these big silver salvers. We've got like six glasses of champagne. We've got some whiskeys. We've got some orange juice. We've got some sparkling water, all like crystal cut glass. And I'm standing there and I'm in a penguin suit, like a full-on penguin suit with, you know, the tails and the cuff button top, uh, white gloves. And I'm standing there with my hand behind my back and I'm literally just waiting for people to take drinks off my side. And then you'll see royalty come past after about 10 minutes, your arm starts to shake and you can hear the glasses banging against each other. Oh, and no. you're just thinking to myself, Jesus, please do not let this break. No like, do way. not let me be the person that completely cleans a salver across Buckingham Palace. Like, can you imagine? So, um, mate, we did, I would have done probably 12, 12, 15 events. That would have been a great
2: experience for you.
1: Oh, mate, it was, it was amazing. And, and I mentioned this to you when I first, before we started this chat, like, Dad always said to me between 15 and 19, you could write a book on what you've done so far through this Buckingham Palace experience I then got some quite cool jobs because of I had that on my CV right I, it was just really you know great to see that so I worked at the British Embassy in Paris for about uh, three months so I was serving the ambassador British ambassador in Paris so it was his it was three butlers and we would do everything we'd spit shine his shoes do they put you up in accommodation and stuff yeah yeah so we lived right at the top in the middle of Paris in the butler's Quarters at the top. Were they
2: nice,
1: per- Like amazing. Like all our food paid for. Like you know, oh, wow. you know, it was it was just insane. And then I worked for a um, owner of a stud farm, so racing horses in Cambridge. He was a multi multi millionaire Used to own, um, I think he had shares in Tideway or something like that. It was it was it was crazy. And then that's the butler lifestyle, you know. You have these living people that look after. They're very wealthy. They're very successful. But then you have to deliver this whole high-end service and I think that's what comes back to everything that I do now is just being able to deliver that service to people and understand people because you realize that yes they might have a lot of money yes they might be very important but people are people and that communication thing for me was I learned a lot from how to deal with different people in different high-end situations but it brings back to everything I do today you know it's like don't forget that whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you're successful, whether you're, you know, young, it doesn't matter. You treat everyone exactly the same. I love and that. what my dad always said to me was just like, just treat people like you want to be treated. And love that, that stuck with me from, you know, from day one. And, and that's what I try and kind of push, push across to, to, to people I'm working with.
2: I love that. And everyone's on the same playing ground. No one's success or fame or wealth makes them any more worthy than someone that doesn't have that either, you know? So it's a very very important point, mate, that you touched on. And and speaking of this uh, book that you want to write, mate, have you written one or are you writing one? Where are you at right now? What's what's
1: what's going on in in your life at the moment, Richie? Where are you at? I'm working on a, a cookbook based all around time, so simplifying, taking time out of the equation, uh, simple recipes for the busy lifestyle, and using my background, like I said, as a chef. And I think it's quite important to to just for me to 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 get out to people that. There's a lot of people in the fitness industry that do design recipes. And whereas they might be, it's food, but is it palatable food? Does it work with your lifestyle? Can you sustain it? You know, my idea of absolute hell, and it might work for some people. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. But when you see seven or eight plastic containers and you see breakfast, lunch, dinner for the same meal every single day till Sunday, you know, you do your meal prep. I'm all for meal prep. I'm all for... (laughs) simplifying the approach to nutrition that is my kind of motto but i don't believe you have to eat like a robot in order to get results so that's my big thing is trying to take the stress and the worry out of cooking make it tasty and just make it enjoyable because like i said that whole thing about food and community it has to kind of all come into to to your life it has to work with your lifestyle so that's what i'm trying to work on at the moment
2: and it's good sounds exciting man i think i think a lot of people will love that and something that's easy simple easy to read helps with time easy to digest I think that's that sounds like a great success mate and how can people follow you right now where can they find you
1: if you want to come and see me personally it'd be fantastic so I'm on I'm on Manly Beach in Sydney Australia and if you are ever dropping by guys anyone of you like I'm one of these people I don't know about you Sammy but I'm one of these people that the power of again social media if you message someone and say hey Rich I'd love to come do a little session with you I mean I've, I've come from LA and I'm only here for two days but I'll be in Manly for an hour like Jesus the worst I can say is no do you know what I mean like that's how our connections are going to be formed. And I'd love it if more people just were, what's the worst that can happen? I'm just going to reach out to this guy. We could have a 30 minute training session. It could be a relationship that for the rest of your life, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of cool, that sort of stuff. So I'm all about that.
2: Don't be scared of getting no's for an answer, guys. You heard that. Richie has told you do not be scared to reach out and ask because the worst thing that you can get is a no. And there's no harm in getting no's. Trust me
1: exactly um and also so my social media is uh, richard at richard kerrigan underscore my website is rk the au. i'm going to make a few changes on that um with the book and stuff so that will be changing but yeah guys reach out and uh, like i said I'm, I'm all about my goal for 2020 is all about giving back so i'm happy to help anyone that needs to reach out and uh, yeah push the message out there
2: well, I can say right now, Richie, you are giving back a short time frame that I've, I've known you for. I know that the type of guy you are, you put off a great energy in the world. You're doing really, really cool stuff. I appreciate you taking the time out today to spend with me on the It Ain't Week to Speak podcast. Uh, thanks so much for uh, sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, and, and very much appreciate you sharing some of your, uh, your heartfelt stories with us too, mate. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, guys. Look after yourselves, eh?
2: Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. Please like, share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well. Keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you, and have a top day.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm.